no one sees all the meetings that got them to that, all the, all the interviews. Like I think Jacinta recently did, did 17 interviews in one day. And when you're talking that much in one day, yeah, okay, you're talking about things you love, yourself, your job, your life, but it's very tiring and you're, you're giving yourself to people. So I do see these people behind the scenes. Hello and welcome back to Beauty Island, the beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I'm your host, Melbourne-based beauty journalist, Brittany Stewart. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them, the ones they take to a desert island or beauty island that I am sending them off to. Maybe it's the product that reminds them of their mum, the beauty product that defined their teens, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. I am very excited to share today's episode with celebrity makeup artist and TV presenter Michael Brown. In a makeup career spanning almost 20 years, he's worked his way up from a makeup counter to the high-flying corporate world and worked with celebrities including Giselle Bundchen, Sophia Ritchie, and is the go-to makeup artist and close friend of Jacinta Franklin. We talk more about Franklin, his almost career as a professional dancer, the eye makeup trick he was taught by Giselle, and the foundation concealer switch-up that will save you time and keep skin looking fresher. Plus, he talks us through his eight chosen products and so much more. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do enjoy this episode, it takes a few seconds and makes a huge difference to help other people find the podcast. And of course, share and tag me on your Instagram stories too, at Beauty Island Podcast. I love reposting and seeing where you're listening from. Now, over to Michael. Enjoy. Michael, welcome to Thank Beauty you. Island. Thank I'm you so much. I'm very happy to be here. For coming today. Now, to start off with, you grew up in Perth, I think. That's right. Tell me a bit about what your childhood was like growing up there. Yeah, well, I lived in Perth, Western Australia, always um, the south side, because Perth had this thing like, you live north or south, it's quite a big thing. And I was always near like the Fremantle Way, which is near the beach. Um, but when I was about five, I was put into dancing by my mother, because she just said every time any type of music, whether it was a TV commercial, or the radio was on, I'd just start grooving and moving. So she put me in dance class. So probably from five years old, my... Um, you know, fun, random childhood went into almost like quite a serious competition mode. You know, I was I was quite into the dancing world for pretty much all my childhood and teenage years. So it kind of took over my life. So, so this was proper. This was like weekends oh, yes. dominated by dance. Yeah, rehearsals. I mean, of course, it just started out a fun little social class. You know, being five years old, and you just learn, you know, the basics. Because she put she put me into a ballroom dancing studio, so it wasn't like I was doing full cha cha at five. <laughs> You just do social classes and you learn basics and you learn kind of, you know, just footwork and then eventually you get into partner work. But I think by seven or eight, I was quite young. Uh, my teacher was like, he's actually got a lot of rhythm. So you should put him into the basic, you know, competitions and even exams. So I, I was actually doing <laughs> competition work and stuff by eight years old. So Now, speaking of your mum, when we talk about or think back to kind of your first introduction of beauty, 
and, and the first product on your list, what was that product that was kind of your first touch point into beauty? Yeah, well, mum wasn't a massive makeup wearer, like from char- from childhood memories. Um, I can only remember her wearing any type of makeup. It was a really special occasion. And that was literally like a bit of lipstick, mascara, you know, hardly anything. And that was like for weddings and things like that. But she was very into her skin. She had quite olive skin compared to me. My, my father had the pale skin, so I took after him. So she was very into the body oils and lathering it up and really making sure it was moisturised. I remember always her her legs always looking really glowy and shiny. But the one thing that I always remember seeing in the bathroom or in the bedroom for her was the oil of Ulay, the old name. <laughs> yeah, she loved it. And she was very into moisturising and skincare, which I think is great. And we mentioned just before, there's become kind of a nice circle with your career now with oil of Ulay now yeah. known as Oleg. Yeah, so when I started actually working in the industry, I remember hearing Olay and I didn't even really click at first that it was the same <laughs> the same thing because I've always saw as a child that logo, Oil of Ule. And then obviously now I realise they changed the name to a global name, Olay. I think it was like 99, 2000. But yeah, and then now in 2019, I'm actually an Olay skincare partner. So I've done a lot of social media content and campaigns. And one of my main clients, Jacinta Franklin, is the Australian ambassador of Olay skincare. So we, we work with the brand a lot. So I actually told the marketing girls about my story and they were laughing and oh we have so many women still talking about oil of Ulay back in the day. <laughs> you mentioned uh, how dancing kind of defined your childhood was it something that you ever thought you would go into as a professional career? Yes pretty much I'd say from about 12 years old, I started taking dancing very seriously. I did ballroom pretty much from, like I said, I think four or five years old, right up to, I think, 15, I stopped doing ballroom. I went to jazz jazz and tap about nine years old, but it was 12 years old where my dance teacher, both actually at ballroom and jazz, said to my mum, you know, he's really talented, he's really good. I know it sounds bad saying that about myself, but apparently that's what I was <laughs> what I was like. You're quoting somebody yeah. else. <laughs> and they said to mum, you know what he should do? He needs to go into ballet because his legs don't extend as well as they could and the flexibility is a bit of an issue for more of the jazz um, style. So mum said to me, do you want to do it? And I said, yep, why not? And I was put into this ballet school. It was quite a prestigious ballet school at the time in in Perth and I think that's when I really went wow this could be a career and I started you know winning trophies and exams I was always getting honours and I did the Perth Estedfords and competitions and I was winning things there so I would say from 12 to at least like 18, 19 I actually thought dancing was and will be my career. And obviously I mean I don't know what you do in your private time but obviously (laughs) you're not a dancer professionally now you're a makeup artist so how did that come about I always thought I was going to be a dancer but it was when I was 16 that a makeup artist came into the ballet program to teach the girls how to do stage makeup you know the liquid liner and why do you wear the red lip and why do you put white inside the waterline of the eye and you know why is it important to wear lashes and things like that so my teacher said to me, oh, you're excused for the afternoon. And I was like, no, 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 I want to I wanna sit in. And she's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, like I had nothing else to do. I was supposed to be there anyway. So I was like, I'm going to stay. And I was really inspired by this makeup artist. I can't even remember her name, but I just remember thinking, wow, this is great. And then because I was in the class, she said to me, oh, and for a boy. And she kind of, you know, went to me and gave me some tips. After that, I did every, not every, but most of the girls makeup for every Sedford, every end of year concert for the next couple of years. And they were always saying to me how good I was. My dad, after high school in 98, said to me, look, I know you're doing dancing. You seem to be doing well, but can we just do another course? Can we do something that 
just, you know, if in case this doesn't work out, that's why I chose makeup artistry. He was like, okay, great. <laughs> but yes, he paid for that course and he was like, fine, if you want to do it, you commit to it. So I did a full makeup course after high school, so 9.99. And yeah, very inspired. Knew that Perth was a bit you know, didn't have the best makeup kind of jobs going around. There wasn't films or anything to work on TV shows. But I just started working in the cosmetic industry. So that's how I got into working with brands and getting into sales. Um, so I worked across Meyer and David Jones, working for many brands in, in that way. Still not thinking that that was going to be a career because dancing on the side was still really big for me. I was doing shows here, auditions there. But my sales were so good. And as a brand, they all they want is sales. And they want a spokesperson, someone that can talk the brand and speak the brand. So I started becoming a coach and then a trainer. And then I realized, wow, this is actually, this career is going really well. And they were asking me to do more hours and traveling to Sydney for big events. And then finally, um, yeah, I, I moved to Sydney in 2006 because L'Oreal, I was working for them for Longcom and they moved me to Sydney. So it was, it just, it just kind of happened. It was never like I was going to be a makeup artist full time or that was my career. I actually thought I'd be doing dancing forever and working on the shop floor to get extra money all my life. That's what I thought in my head. And then I moved to Sydney for L'Oreal and I became the national makeup artist for Longcom, um, looking after Australia and New Zealand and going to Paris once a year for training and training all our BAs and would never have thought that was going to happen. And then that's when I was like, okay, I need to, this is serious now. And from 2006 onwards, it's always been about the beauty and the cosmetics and the makeup. The second product on your list, or the, so the ones that were the kind of the first ones that you had in your kit, which were Krylon and the Body Shop. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, those? well, Krylon, I got introduced by that makeup artist that came to the high school because she was talking about stage makeup. And if you know Krylon as a brand, obviously, you know, colours are great, pigments are great. But it started out as a real film and television and kind of, you know, backstage kind of makeup brand. And at my makeup course, one of the experience, one of the work experience is what we did was um, at Channel 7 and, and they used to use Krylon. So I, I just thought Krylon was the best because all the top dogs were using it. So I bought it for my, actually made my father. I was like, Dad, I need this in my kit. It's what they're all using. I won't get any jobs if I don't use, <laughs> if I don't have it. So that was what he bought for me. And then I was purchasing for the fun shimmers and the more fun kind of makeup. Uh, Body Shop was one of the first brands I ever used because I thought it was cool. It seemed to be, you know, a bit more natural for the skin and that, that kind of stuff. And plus it had a really cool store and I just loved going in and spending whatever I could on eyeshadows and bronzes and all those, you know, the shimmer bricks and everything. It was great. We talk about the early years in your career, which kind of the early two early 2000s compared to now how do you think particularly social media has changed the game for emerging makeup artists in terms of getting their work out there and and I, I do think about this often I do think I wonder what it would have been like for my career in that way like as I said I was working I mean over those years in in Perth I'm my first cosmetic retail job was Shiseido I was the event makeup artist and then I went to Clinique and I was one of the they're called their eventing team the white lightning team because we had the white lab coats on so the white lightning team I was on that for two years and then I became the state makeup artist for Estee Lauder for two years and then one year I was state makeup artist for Longcomb before they moved me to Sydney so I was working for many brands over those four five I don't know five six years beautiful brands high luxury but I always wanted to do more freelance work. And yes, I was getting the odd wedding here and there and the odd job here and there, but it wasn't as strong as I wanted, like for weekend work or, you know, shoots and things. And I think now 
young makeup artists can reach out to their favorite brand, to their favorite fashion label, to their favorite model, to their favorite anyone really on social media and put themselves out there through social media. I remember going to modeling agencies in WA during this time with a little folder that was my portfolio. And we literally had photos of our work in a folder that you'd go in, have a meeting, show your work, show your creativity, your artistic expression. And I think, God, some of the makeups I showed them were so out there. <laughs> Who even does that anymore? But I think makeup back then was a bit more artistic. In the fashion world, we were doing crazy eye makeup and big colours. And now it's all much gone down to that contouring, highlight and shade, bronzy, nude type of things. And you very rarely see a lot of the artistic expression we saw in the 80s and 90s. So, yeah, my little folder, that, that was what I did. And now social media is your folder. And obviously as a celebrity makeup artist, you have worked with some incredible people. I think early on in your career you worked with Giselle, mm, I read, yes. and a whole host, and please feel free to name drop at this point. Um, <laughs> but obviously you are seeing these well-known public figures, you know, maybe it's at 5am in the morning when you're doing their makeup mm-hmm. or something. You're seeing them in kind of these these private moments. Is there anything that's really surprised you about those kind of interactions? It's a really beautiful thing that a lot of my clients that I've had over the years, like the Australian ones anyway, have become really, really good friends. You know, one of them being Jacinta Franklin. I did have makeup the first time in 2012. We just met at the Green Room in Channel 9 because I'm the beauty presenter for today's show. And she, I was just sitting there waiting to go on my segment. She was going on later on doing fashion police back in the day and we just had a chat and two weeks later I'm doing her makeup for a Maya show and that was 2012 and now I went to her wedding my family knows her family my family and her family had Christmas together last year we know everything about each other and her family with with you know her husband Lance's family as well it's quite amazing and there's many girls like that as well that I'm really close to because you you do become a bit of that per that kind of lean on person Sometimes you aren't feeling your best and you're the only person they're kind of seeing that morning or they've had something happen in their family life but they've still got to go on to this event or do a public speaking or, you know, walk in a catwalk or something. You know, it's, it's a really nice thing when you have that connection. But I think even for the big celebrities I've done, like Giselle Bunchen and Miranda Kerr, and I did a, a lot of work with Jennifer Hawkins back in the day when she was the prime of Maya days, They've got really busy schedules. I know it seems like, oh, they just get paid and they're all glammed up and they walk a catwalk or, you know, attend a lunch. But no one sees all the meetings that got them to that, all the, all the interviews. Like I think Jacinta recently did, did 17 interviews in one day. And when you're talking that much in one day, yeah, okay, you're talking about things you love, yourself, your job, your life, but it's very tiring and you're, you're giving yourself to people. So I do see these people behind the scenes. And I think when you watch something like the Katy Perry documentary or the Beyonce one or there's been so many lately and you really see them at sometimes they're, they're worse or they're most vulnerable, it's, that happens to everyone. So being a makeup artist, you are in their face, literally in their face, sometimes at 5am. They don't want you poking around their eyes. They're tired. Yeah, so you do become a bit of this loyal person for them. And that's why even of biggest people I've worked with, I mean, just last year, not that not that they're like massive Hollywood celebrities, but they're still celebrities in their own right. I worked with Sophia Ritchie and Scott Disick. Uh, they were out here for uh, Melbourne Cup. And obviously the Lord Disick, you know, from the Kardashians, he's got a massive profile and literally gets photographed everywhere. And that's the first time I've worked with such a big reality star. And I couldn't believe just walking down the street, people yell, they scream, they're throwing things, you know, a girl threw a bra, you know, the <laughs> girls are just like literally running after him and it's like, wow. 
And that that moment of makeup and hair, I mean, for him it was like 10 minutes, but, you know, that's their peace and quiet. And then for Sophia Ritchie, who's grown up with celebrity parents, Lana Ritchie, her sister Nicole Ritchie, you know, she's used to it, but still she's very young, only 20 years old. And to have that lifestyle, I think, wow. And I just never look at them as if they're anything different. I treat them the same. I have a joke. I don't get nervous. I don't ask for photos unless they do. I just very treat them like I would any, any other person. So have you ever got starstruck with a client or you, you've kind of been in the industry that long? You know, you get excited. I mean, even doing Juliette Binoche years ago, this is after she did that beautiful movie Chocolate and, you know, she's the French actress. She's won Academy Awards and, and, and she came here for her show at the Opera House and I was with her for 10 days. So 10 days, like the first day I was really nervous because I, you know, she's a established woman. She was in her 40s. Her look is so French chic. I was like, oh God, I hope I do a good job. But after the third day, she really warmed to me and we were laughing by the end. And I was, you know, originally I had to get a car behind her. It was like she arrived and I was in the car behind. And by the fourth day, she's like, no, come in my car. And I was like, oh, I've made it. Yes, so you do think, wow, these people are amazing because I've worked with so many different people from, you know, people who sing, who dance, who model, who act, who are reality TV stars, you know, here in Australia, a lot of TV actors, TV presenters, TV hosts, so you know who they are and you get excited, but I've never really been like starstruck because at the end of the day, they're literally the same as you, same problems, same issues. And, and, and often they do tell you this as well. They tell you their life story in, in like a half an hour. It's quite funny how, how close they trust you. The third product on your list is kind of the skincare products that you, you kind of started using in your early 20s. The first kind of time you were using those, which is the Clinique full three-step. Oh, yeah, Can the three-step. I remember this so well. So basically, you know, growing up as a dancer, I had makeup on my face a lot and, and a lot of fake tan. <laughs> being boring dancing, it was all about the really brown fake tan. And when I was doing jazz and ballet, being on a bigger stage, you, you had the eyeliner and things like that. But I never, ever, ever did any type of skincare or cleansing. It wasn't really publicized for teenagers. Whereas now, my niece is 14. She has a full skincare routine. She has a full makeup. She has a makeup kit, you know, because, because of social media and just the more awareness, they're all using it now. But at 15, 16, 17, I used nothing. And then my first job, as I said, was Shiseido. But a lot of the product they had back then was very rich. So I couldn't really use the moisturizer because my skin was very oily. But Clinique was the first brand that I worked for that I could actually use everything. So I used the three-step. And at training at Clinique, they actually she had a three-step dance that they had to do in training. It was really, like, really hilarious. But I used that religiously, and it was amazing. I didn't have bad skin, but, you know, the odd breakout at 18, 19, 20, and it really did help my skin, and, and it got me using, a, a, like, a skin program, I would say. And ever since then, I've never not used a cleanser, a toner, a moisturizer, pretty much. Got you into good habits. Got me into the habit, yeah. As you mentioned before, you've had clients like Jacinta Franklin who have become friends. And I'm always curious about the difference when you're working with the same client long term as opposed to one one person for one event. Because obviously you're trying different beauty looks. Are you kind of trying to to push them out of their comfort zone? What yeah. What's kind of in your mind when you are working with someone over a longer period of time? Well, the beauty about working with Jacinta is we, we often, I would say for most makeup artists in Australia, you pretty much have to do hair as well. It's very rare to for a client to book two, maybe because it's budget reasons. And when you're doing a personal client, they don't want two people coming to their house at 6am. They want one that can just do everything. So it's very rare for, I think, I think it, 
getting the top makeup artists that I know all do hair. Maybe not on every job, but on most jobs. And so for that, if you're doing a big red carpet event, you always allow two hours for makeup and hair because that includes obviously getting dressed, putting body products on once they're dressed, finishing touches in the car and you're out. But We've had times where Decincia and I literally, maybe someone's been late or the flight's been cancelled or a client literally has said, you need to get ready now. I know I can do her full glam look in 30 minutes because I know her face, what she likes, what she doesn't like, how her eyes wear, how her skin wears and how her hair is. So that that's the beauty about doing or working with someone regularly. You just know everything about their look, their skin and how everything wears. A new client, you don't. So you have to almost go, okay, what are you thinking for today? Would you like to go more natural? Do you want smoky eyes? Do you want a brighter lip? What are your outfits? Like you have to kind of consult before you even start the makeup and hair, which can take five, 10 minutes and that eats into your time. So the, the, the beauty about the regulars are, and that's why a lot of high profile people use the same people all the time, is that becomes their team. They have confidence. And I, I, don't, I can't remember the last time Jacinta actually said to me, okay, doll, we need to do this today. She just goes, I'm wearing this, I'm going to a lunch. Okay, great. And I just make up the look. We don't even discuss because there's so much trust. So much trust because I've, I've worked with her for so long. But a new client, you really do have to go through the look with them. I just worked with Lou McGroff last week. She's um, a great international model. She's the face of Paco Rabanne and done many jobs over the years. Um, she's also the face of L'Oreal Paris. Beautiful girl, stunning features, but same thing, never done her makeup before. So I knew her skin was good. I can tell her eyes are great. I can tell it's going to be a pretty, uh, you know, easy job because of her features, but you still go through into a full almost consult. What do you like? Do you like mattes? Do you like shimmers? Do you like highlighter? And that can take time. So that's the only annoying thing about starting a new client is you don't know what they like. And I mean, particularly, and this is something that kind of lots of people have experienced, but, but particularly when we kind of look at Jacinta's looks over the past few years, obviously she had long brunette hair and then went for that amazing, she still has the peroxide blonde. For someone who is also going through, or even just a, a colour hair change, it doesn't have to be as drastic as that. When you're thinking about the makeup looks, it's amazing how much a hair colour change yeah, can affect what so you need to do. It's so funny how her hair has literally been the topic for the last... She did that in December 2017. We had a friend's wedding that she was... The, the wedding was in Thailand and it was my first gay wedding I've ever been to in my life. It was my best friends and Mark and Andrew and I love them. And because it wasn't legal there or anything, they, they're, they're both American so they got married before. She was the... What do you call it? I can't remember the... Yeah, the celebrant. That's the, that's the t- so they asked her to be the celebrant, knowing that, you know, public speaking is like tick. She knows them very well, really, really close to them and their family. So it was like a really nice thing for her to do. So she's like, no, I, I won't cut it before the wedding because I want long, you know, waves and that Thailand kind of look. But as soon as we got back from that wedding, she's like, I'm going to do it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And we had so many photos and we had so many like, you know, um, phone calls about it. And she, since that day, when I, even when I go somewhere, oh, Jacinda's hair, oh, Jacinda's hair, that hair, the hair. And friends have screenshotted friends who have cut their hair like Jacinda. And I was like, oh, my God. It's so funny how one haircut can do that. And she's changed it from, like, blonde shoulder length to blonde really short bob. Now it's kind of a pixie cut with a bit of dark coming through the roots. So it's, it, it's evolved slowly, but it's still that similar short uh, blonde hair. And I would say every interview she does, Everyone talks about her hair. But when it comes to makeup, I actually feel cutting her hair was one of the best things she did for her personally. Just felt good. 
you know, it's easier for her to do. Apparently, she loves doing her hair now. But for me as a makeup artist, I think all our looks have become quicker. I don't know what it was about it. I think her face is so exposed, maybe. I don't know, because it's shorter. I can do her makeup quicker. We can use different tones now. She's blonde. Um, her hair is literally so quick to style. Doing curls on a full head, depending on the hair thickness, can take up to 30 minutes. And then you've got to put, you know, still style it after you curl it. For her hair, we either put lots of oils and hydrating creams in to slick it, or we put dry shampoo in it to make it a bit more fluffy, dry texture spray, and it's kind of done. Her hair takes me probably 10 minutes every time I do her makeup and hair, even for the biggest red carpet she's done, like Brownlow's last year or the Tiffany & Co event coming up. You know, uh, there's just so many easy ways to do it but I think people shouldn't be as scared to change their look I think people should just go with it if they're, if they're feeling it just go with it I suppose it's one of those things that hair can feel like everything but it will grow back like yeah yeah and experiment well. with the color as well I mean going all blonde for her I was a bit worried because she is photographed so much she might look a bit lost, you know, having, I mean, she gets quite brown in the summer, but she's got fair skin, the blonde hair. I don't know. Like I was worried about red carpets. It wouldn't look that nice on a red carpet, but it's actually been the opposite. It actually really stands out and looks, you know, still really chic. On to the fourth product of your list, which are the the perfumes that have special memories for you. And you've got a couple. So first tell me about Youth Juice. Youth Juice. So my mum, I never knew what it was called. I never knew what it was, you know, being a young kid. She used to have one of those old, school dressing tables with the brush and the mirror and the little tray like it was all like really glam um, and on there was this bottle and I always remember the bottle being having a gold lid a really dark brownish liquid and the gold bow and I used to love the gold bow and the bottle is kind of like the hourglass shape and never thought much of it that's mum's perfume I know what it smells like that's mum coming down the hallway I can always smell it when she comes home or something and I remember seeing it and then I got a job at Estee Lauder as state makeup artist and it dawned to me, that's mum's fragrance. I just never knew it was Yufchu. I've heard of Yufchu before, but never really put them together. And it's funny that I was then selling Yufchu and smelling it nearly every day. And I was like, that's mum, that's mum, that's mum. And I remember once I was moving a counter at Garden City in, in Perth and I dropped the, the real large bottle and it smashed it in the front of Maya. And Yufchu, if, you, if you've ever smelled it, have you smelled it? It's I a, actually it's haven't. It's a very done. strong... It's old school, so it's that, that real oil-based kind of strong fragrance. And the whole cosmetics haul just smelt of Yufchu. And we actually sold three from me smashing it. And apparently, I got told after that, that's how Estee Lauder herself got her products into one of the department stores in New York. They said no to her. She knew that fragrance was going to be a winner. She dropped it purposely in the store and people were like, what's that smell? Isn't that funny? So, yes, Yves Chu is my mum but also part of my career as well because I was actually working with her at Estee Lauder. And then my grandmother, another lover of really strong kind of oil-based perfumes, the Clinique Aromatics. I'm pretty sure they still sell it but it was in a yellow lid and a kind of a gold yellow kind of colours. And because it was oil-based, my grand used to spray it on her lamps. So the bedside lamp next to her bed and in the lounge room there was a lamp on the television and she would spray the globes and that sounds really funny but because it was so oil based the oil would kind of stick and stay onto the globe and when the globe was obviously on the smell would go through the house and her house always smelt like 
you know, fragrance and perfume. So once again, I worked at Clinique before Estee Lauder. So I was immersed in my grandmother's scent while at work. So it's quite funny how two distinct fragrances of my childhood became part of my career as well. And we will just say maybe don't try this one at home. No, Just no. in case. Yeah, Grandma was loving it, but I'm not sure if that's a good thing to say <laughs> to people to do. <laughs> and then finally, the, the perfume that kind of, that's special for you, which is Live Jazz by YSL. Yes, Tell me about that. so Live Jazz. So I was getting to the age, about 17, you know, when you're like, okay, I want to go into Meyer and buy a fragrance. I was very heavily into dance, as I mentioned. I was dancing 20 hours a week and jazz was a big part of my life. And I remember walking through the section. It's so hard. Like I had a bit of money and I was like, I want to buy my, myself my first fragrance. And I just couldn't find anything. And, and then I saw this bottle. It was kind of like a I remember being at like a, a zigzag wave looking bottle with black and white and I love black and white back in the day um, and yeah it had jazz written on it and I was like oh jazz what's that and I smelt the jazz but then next to it was live jazz which I think was a lighter version maybe or like a different obviously different scent to the jazz and I loved it and I bought it on the spot and it was my first fragrance I ever bought even when it ran out I kept the bottle on my little thing at home because it had jazz written on it because I loved it being a dancer so yeah a little funny story there but I think it's still sold today live jazz so there you go it's <laughs> the perfect blend of your interests yes isn't it? yes you get sent a lot of products what makes something stand out enough for you to try it and then maybe kind of which we will talk about in a second make the the pilgrimage to your kit it is a first world problem i do have a beauty room in my house so there's a there's a back room it's it's apparently supposed to be like a sunroom or like, a, you know, could you be an office? But I've turned it into a full beauty room. So there's like cupboards, there's shelves, there's a full beauty table, there's a full beauty mirror with the lights on it. Like it's a full beauty room and it is full. I know it's a great problem to have, but it does get hard because you do get sent so much. And time obviously is an issue these days being so busy. How do you go through it all? I think when you get sent something, I, I always do always go through bags. I think now with Instagram and that unboxing kind of thing. I set aside like a day or an afternoon where I do go through them and then put it on my stories so I can, you know, show what I've been sent and talk about things that I kind of like. But it's very hard, like you said, to make the makeup kit. That's that's something that's a bit hard for me because I'm not a girl wearing makeup every day, all day. So I can't really just whack on the lip and wear it out and see how it wears or is that going to be a nice colour, you know, in longevity. Because my whole makeup philosophy is, is, is longevity. We all know that a product can look amazing in like the first minute, first half an hour, the first hour. But do you look at yourself in the mirror two hours later? Is the lipstick creasing? Is your eyeshadow creasing? Is your skin still good? So I'm all about that. So to really impress me, it's... Basically, when I'm on shoots, because I'm doing a red carpet makeup, I don't try anything new because the client, I should say, is leaving me, say, at like 5 p.m. She's on the red carpet at 6. They're at a big event. Maybe it's a dinner. Maybe it's an awards night. Maybe it's a show. Who knows what it is? I'm not with them to touch up. I'm just, here's your lipstick. You can touch that up yourself. Yep, I've powdered you. You look great. Have a great night. So I won't try anything new. I need my holy grails and I know that work for longevity. Five hours time, that makeup will look exactly the same. It's when I'm on set and doing shoots, that's when I bring out new things on models when I'm doing a fashion shoot or something because I'm like, well, I'm there. I'm there the whole day. If something goes wrong, for example, if it creases a bit or the lipstick isn't the texture that I really thought it was going to be, I can touch it up. 
So it's on set where I have more play time and I love that because I love trying new products. Of course, not only do you get gift bags in the mail, but you also get invited to events. And at events, normally there's someone uh, demonstrating or there's touch-up stations where you yourself can go up and actually try the product out. So that, that's the best thing to do is actually attend the event so you can try it and fall in love with it before you open it in the bag. But, you know, with time, it's hard to go to events these days. I'm so busy. And I suppose kind of reversing everything, have there been any tips or products that you've learned from clients that you've been working with? Well, Giselle actually got me a tip and that was back in 2007 or 2008 I worked with Giselle. It's her only time in Australia. I worked with her for two days. She was here for her little shoe brand that she had and it was launching into Maya and Novo Shoes. So she's a client that knows exactly what she wants. She sat me down and goes, I don't like that. I don't like that. These are the tones I like. Know this, know that. So I knew from the first five minutes exactly what the makeup was going to look like because she was very direct. Not in a nasty way. She was very, very nice to me, very warm and friendly. But just saying, no, don't do that. No, 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 no. And then when I was you know, doing her makeup, we were talking about makeup artists she's worked with, like Pat McGrath and all these big names. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. How cool is that? And she mentioned a tip. She goes, oh, um, I love what you've done. Can I add something? And I was like, okay, what's it going to be? And what she said to me, she always loves separating the top lash line to the lower lash line. So you think of the outer part of the eye, there's that little kind of uh, little section where the top lashes join the bottom lashes. And we're talking outer eye. She puts a lighter concealer, like a really light concealer, and she almost draws like a little bit of a line in that little outer um, crease we have there to, to actually separate and open the top to the bottom. And I've seen that done before, like some drag queens do it and things like that, but never really had had done that technique myself or even thought about it, but I do use it still now sometimes for certain eye shapes. It really does give that ping and that um, open eye factor. So that's one that she's <laughs> taught me. And of course, not not so much technique I learned from clients, but definitely product because they might have their holy grail product that's their holy grail. And you're like, oh, why do you like that? Oh, because of this. And then you try and you go, oh, wow, it's actually really good. So products I've definitely learned a lot from uh, with certain clients I've had. So interesting. And so with that outer lash line trick, what kind of eye shapes does it work for? Who, who would kind of use it? We always talk about the almond eye being that like perfect eye shape where there's enough space or sorry, there's, a, there's an equal space from brow bone to socket or sorry, the, the, the brow area to socket and then that same space from socket to lash. So there's a beautiful lid showing, a beautiful brow sh- uh, showing. And that is normally an upturned type of eye. So if some eyes um, were either downturned or they were more rounded or even small eyes you can put that little bit of a light concealer trick and a little uh, small angled brush and really just place it there so it just separates the top lash to the bottom lash line it just opens up and kind of elongates the outer area of the eye great tip there talking of the products that do make your kit the fifth product on your list is the consistent product that's always in your kit which is the elizabeth arden eight hour cream yes i mean working in the cosmetic floor my my career started in retail selling cosmetics and doing you know consumer masterclasses and working with consumers a lot which I'm actually very thankful for that I must just add there because so many makeup artists start with models and fashion and on set and you're working with like 12 year olds and they're all beautiful <laughs> whereas working in retail I had customers from 19 
as you're 15 up to like 90 years old. So you're working with every skin concern and every concern you can imagine. And one product that even I never worked for Elizabeth Arden as a consultant, one product that was always mentioned on the cosmetic floor, just in the you know the gossip of the of the beauty advisors, was the eight hour cream from Elizabeth Arden because it's just so rich with moisture. Um, it gives a beautiful sheen to the skin, so you can use it as a highlighter. Use it on the body. You can use it in the hair. Use it as a lip balm. Use it on your cuticles. Any dry, really, really dry, flaky skin, it is it. And it was funny how even working for Clinique or say Lauder or Longcom, occasionally there'd be a customer, you're like, oh, you know, if you just go over to Elizabeth Island, I can't say it too loud. But if you go over there, they've got a cream for you that we don't have. Like I was always selling it. And then as a makeup artist, it, it, it obviously was all in my kit and now I get sent them regularly because I know I love it. And I think it's just that multitasker all-rounder. And I think, I can't remember the date, which is really bad, but it's been around for, I'm going to put a number out, I don't know, 20 years or so, probably even more than that actually. But it's been around for a long time. And you know how much cosmetics changes. And for a product to be still sold today, it's quite rare from being, you know, say 10, 20 years ago, because they all get updated. This one hasn't. So I just love it. And it's just a multitasker in my kit. It has endured, definitely. Now, I think you mentioned before that you've done a lot of TV as, I think it's the Today Show that you are the beauty correspondent for. Is that part of the job that you enjoy? And I suppose also, particularly on such a big show like that, you're talking to a bit of a different audience rather than, say, the people who follow you on social media who are very, very interested in makeup. So so how do you kind of approach that? Well, this was a very exciting time in my life, actually, if I can delve into that. So I worked for L'Oreal, as I mentioned, as the head makeup artist and national trainer for makeup in Sydney. And the Sydney office, which which housed the luxury division of L'Oreal, actually moved to the Melbourne office. So there was quite a few employees, you know, say 80 people in that office that were either had to move to Melbourne um, and continue their jobs with the company and go forward in Melbourne or take a redundancy. I was in that hard decision, what do I do? I loved my job. At the time, I was the events manager for Longcom. I was the national trainer for Shuamura, makeup trainer for L'Oreal Lux and, he- and head makeup artist for Longcom. So I was very involved in the company and-, and I wanted to grow in the company in more of a corporate manner and climb that ladder and move overseas one day and really live and breathe that L'Oreal life. But I didn't want to move to Melbourne and all my friends were here and I made a life in Sydney and I chose to leave but what do you do so I obviously contacted all my contacts I'm freelance now I can still be a consultant for brands in a training capacity I can be a host a presenter I can be a makeup artist I can do all these things and I got a a tweet back when Twitter was the thing because Instagram wasn't around in 2012 I got a tweet from a producer of um, this new show coming to the screens called Mornings. Never heard of it. It was a place in Carrie Ann, which was a big thing back in the day because obviously she was a TV legend. And we just said, we're looking for a makeup artist to do beauty segments on our new show. And I've heard you're very good at public speaking and doing uh, tutorials. I thought she still meant like doing people's makeup to go on the show not be on the show myself. So I said, oh, I'm not sure because I want to really get into this and I'm not sure I want to be stuck behind the scenes. Because no, 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 you're the star. Like, you'd be on air talking. I was like, oh, really? So, yeah, so I came in for a trial. What what, what the most exciting thing about this was, it the show had never been on air before. So it was Sonia Kruger, obviously a household name. David Campbell, who was Jimmy Barnes' son, who was more known for musical theatre and singing and his talents there, had done a few TV gigs, but not really. So that was their, their first time being on air together. 
I went in for a trial and the EP, the, the executive producer goes, you're really good talent. I want you on the first episode. So I was actually on the first ever episode of Mornings in February 2012. You could hear a pin drop in that Channel 9 studio. Everyone was nervous. This show was taking over Carrie Ann. There was a lot of backlash about that. It was Sonia's first time of David and vice versa. My first time on national TV. It was very, very nerve-wracking, but I did it. They were happy, and I'm proud to say seven years later, I'm still part of the same family. There's been, obviously, producer changes over those years. Still the same host, Sonia and David. I love them. The show is now called Today Extra because it's today's show's uh, lifestyle element. So we're on between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. So our our viewers are very stay-at-home mums. Uh, you know, retirees, single mums. So your chat is very different to what I do with these big brands that I work with. And the editorial voice has to be much more soundbitey and much easier conversations and quick tips and very affordable products as well because of the clientele you're speaking to. But yeah, I'm still on. I mean, I was on weekly for three years, then fortnightly, and now it's once a month, but I'm still on there. It's not my main job, obviously, but I really enjoy it. And I love giving tips and just kind of sharing my knowledge and making it you know, easy for them, which is great. And I think some of the, obviously you've, you've covered many stories in those seven years, but I feel like a few segments that I, that always keep coming up are a bridal makeup, particularly <laughs> were tied to Meghan Markle last year. Yes. I can imagine you did a lot on that. I did about three Meghan Markle stories last year, or different ones, but they were still based on Meghan Markle. And I was like, oh my God, this girl's getting a lot of press. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to bridal makeup, what's kind of your number one tip? Well, bridal makeup's changed a lot. You know, it used to be, oh, use pink, peaches, soft, you know, very feminine. Whereas I think women now are much more stronger and they can have personality. So a bridal makeup doesn't necessarily mean you only have to use fresh floral kind of colours. You know, you can still do a very strong winged, li- winged eyeliner. You can still do a smoky eye, but it's obviously making it not going out party and shimmers. It's more making it more chic and elegant. So I think bridal makeup really depends now on the person what's best for their skin tone and colors what's best for their eye shape and whenever I do a wedding which is not that often I don't do weddings very often but for friends and family and for certain clients I do them and I just go look let's choose colors that are exactly right for you not because they're on trend not because they're hot right now this is colors for you and a style for you because it's your day it's your look we're not trying to impress someone at a club you know we're not trying to pick up a boy because you've already got one walking down the aisle you know it's about what what you look good in and also what they feel confident in because you know there's some brides I've been to where they're like I only wear coppers and I'm like okay coppers fine for weddings maybe we'll freshen up a little bit with a peachy blush and make it more fresh but we can do coppers so I think it's just working out what's best for them what they're confident in what, and and also what looks good on them. I, I don't ever talk trend-worthy makeup looks on a bridal makeup. It's more about them on their day. What is the favourite look that you've ever done? Like if you we think back to kind of your portfolio, if you had to sh- to show one one look that you've created, what what is your favourite? Oh God, I actually <laughs> in the many hundreds and thousands that you've done. Ever since the Kardashians, I mean, we must talk about them. You know, I sometimes hate bringing them up, but they have done a lot for the industry. I feel um, Kim brought back contouring and made contouring mainstream. It was always very a makeup artist thing and a TV and film thing. But ever since the Kardashians, makeup has definitely been a bit more muted. There's less colour. 
There's we hardly see green eyeshadows and blue eyeshadows. I do feel it is coming back slowly. We are seeing more color in 2019 than ever on the eyes, especially. But we are really obsessed at that bronze contouring look. So even my most famous looks with you know celebrities, they're all very kind of bronze and that kind of dewy bronze contoured look, which isn't like as exciting as say some of the looks I did back in the early days when you're being very avant-garde and creative. But I think I'm proud of all my looks. And to be honest, some of my favorite looks are the most simple with skin because I think making skin look so youthful and dewy and even though there's, you know, there's powder on their face, there's concealer, there's blush, there's bronzer, there's foundation. To make it look like there's not that on there, to me, is quite a skill. And I think my retail background, working with consumers first, working with big cosmetics brands first, made me really skin focused. So all my makeup looks, I take about 20 minutes before I even start makeup. It's all about you know, hydrating, eye cream, a bit of massage around the eyes. If it's early in the morning, using a skin roller, using oils on the skin to get that glow. Like I'm all about skin. So I'd say some of my favorites, even with Jacinta the last couple of years, is making her skin look absolutely flawless. So let's talk about that prep for a little bit because I do think particularly we've talked about kind of how social media and the Kardashians have changed makeup. There is a perception that, you know, what we see on Instagram might look quite different if we saw the same person with the same makeup look oh, in in yes. person like there's only makeup can do many things but there's only so much it can do in terms of base and yes, skin the instagram makeup is um, always a hot topic with makeup artists especially i'm friends with some of the australian makeup artists on facebook on a personal level and it's quite funny when you see them share memes and all this stuff i'm like oh yes we know the instagram makeup and you know i get a lot of dms <laughs> I get so many DMs from young, young makeup artists who are just literally fresh out of makeup school or there's been a few which is very cute. They want to interview me for their um, course they're doing um, and a lot of them do talk about this. They always bring up, okay, real life makeup to Instagram makeup, your thoughts. And I'm like, well, that's, it's a hard one to answer. I do think the Instagram makeup has made a lot of younger girls wear too much makeup or put too much priority on so much makeup. Like my niece is 14 and she's obsessed with YouTube as, as, as so many young 14-year-old girls are. And she said to me, oh, the makeup you do is always that boring makeup. It's just that nude look that all the celebrities wear. I love all the crazy stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but where are you going to wear that? Like that eyeliner, that that lash, that brow, it looks so drawn on. And as a makeup artist, to me, it looks very drag-like. But I know as a photograph on Instagram, that does really well with likes and engagement because it is quite creative and it is quite beautiful as a photograph. But wearing that just down the street or to a local pub for dinner, I'm not sure that really transcends into real life. So I think if you know the difference between lighting, between a photograph and real life and just think, yes, I love that colour. Let's use that colour in a more real life manner. That's what makeup artists do. I feel I feel more so than the beauty influencers who are who are really just using a bit more outrageous colours and a stronger contour and a stronger brow and liner to get their um, you know their engagement up on social media. Now the sixth product in your list, still on the topic of skin, is the product that you kind of don't leave the house without, which is concealer. Yes, yes. I mean, I think it's because of my dancing days. I would say. 
pretty much at high school. I, I did go to a dance high school, so it wasn't uncommon for me to be, you know, strutting through the playground wearing a leotard going to, <laughs> going to dance class. Um, I was a very, very, like almost overconfident kid, which was, which did well for me in many ways. Obviously, the dancing, you need to be confident on stage and have personality. But um, in terms of like bullying and that kind of stuff, I never did, which, which is amazing. But it's also quite sad when I hear so many stories of other dancers or um, guys who are more into makeup or dancing who really, you know, have a hard time. I mean, I was doing the splits at lunchtime in front of my whole school. No one said anything because that was just Michael. That was just him. He's, you know, he's a dancer. He's a bit out there. Like that was me. And I never, you know, did that. But my dancing days taught me about makeup. And then I saw myself with makeup on going, wow, no dark circles. My skin looks good. So I would probably say from like 20 years old, and I'm now 38, I don't think I've left the house much without a concealer on. I don't pack it on and wear like drag makeup or doing like that. But I just, I just know how there's a bit of redness around the nose. You can, you, can, you can fix in literally a second with the tiniest bit of concealer. My eyes I always have dark circles, so I, I wear that every day. Even to go get my local coffee in the morning, I never have – um, no concealer on it's like a routine now but I don't spend 20 minutes it literally is like dab 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 rubber rub bang I'm done in like three minutes so it's just a routine that I've had but yeah concealer I would say is the product that I probably couldn't live without and is there a specific one that you like or you're using at the minute well now I use Marc Jacobs Beauty uh, they launched a complex, um only in May June so it's a, it's a very new product I've always been more into being a guy I don't like liquids and all those amazing you know iconic concealers like YSL, Tushikla. I love them for clients, but when you're a guy, and I'm a guy that has fine lines around the eyes, I'm smiling too, so you can see the expression lines. I don't want anything too liquid, too thin, too runny, because they will fall into my expression lines. So I've always been in, into more of a thicker, creamier texture, which is so it, 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 it kind of stays put more for a guy, doesn't move, doesn't transfer. And Accomplice is now is a, is a little mini stick concealer. It's a touch-up stick concealer and I love it. It's hyaluronic acid, it's, it's moisturising, it's creamy and hopefully it doesn't look like I'm wearing too much. No, um, <laughs> you, it looks so natural. If you said that you weren't wearing anything and this is just what you like, <laughs> I would be like, yeah, you're right. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so I mean I have had a couple of times where a friend's gone, I think you put too much on today, I can see a little dog. I'm like, oh God, you know. <laughs> but normally uh, people don't even know I'm wearing it but I just really like that. Maybe it's a confidence thing for me too. I just like knowing my under eyes are just fresher and have a bit of concealer on. And I feel like particularly, I know when, you watch the YouTube tutorials or even when I'm doing my makeup, foundation is the first thing and then concealer kind of goes on top. But you, you talked about something interesting we were talking just before we started recording about how if we use concealer right, you'll actually need to use less foundation. Yeah, that's right. When you know you're doing a full makeup, I mean, you're going out, you're getting glammed up. I still, as a makeup artist, would do foundation first and then concealer second, just just kind of how it goes. I mean, there's no rules in makeup, but that's kind of a standard you know, procedure. But so many women say to me, I'm time poor, I'm time poor, I'm time poor. In the morning, I'm going to the office. I don't want to look glam. I don't want to have full makeup on. I just want to look fresh. Well, then don't use foundation because you don't need foundation on the forehead or the outer areas that no one sees it's just those inner areas around the nose around the mouth under the eyes that's where we can see age or redness so if you took away the foundation in the morning got a really good quality concealer that was moisturizing as well and dabbed on those little problem areas and blended in you're saving so much time by blending in a foundation you don't have any risk of having hairline issues if foundation or jawline issues because when you're in a rush, you blend it out and you think it looks great in your bathroom. You go outside, you're like, whoa, I'm like, I've got jawline. So if you only use concealer in those little mini areas, you're actually saving yourself so much time. Have an illuminating primer on so your skin's glowing 
but you don't need to cover. I think people in Australia still use a lot of foundation and too much foundation. And, and, and that's been a general consensus from a lot of visitors that I've known across the years who have come from other brands and they've been visiting. They're like, wow, the Aussie women wear a lot of makeup. And it's not makeup in general, it's just foundation. So I think maybe less is best. Spend more time on priming and use a concealer before foundation for those uh, days you're really strapped for time and you'll find you'll still look fresh easier and less time management on your makeup great tips and when you are applying concealer are you using your fingers brushes sponges what concealer mainly my fingers because i do feel like you need to kind of warm it in and kind of press it in if i'm doing a full glam look mind you and i want to be absolutely flawless the beauty blender i just can't live without because it does just dab it a little bit differently and obviously you can wet it if you want like a lighter coverage but yeah you can really kind of get that glam flawless but for every day just you know me personally doing it on my own and for just an everyday quick look fingers are the best the seventh product on your list is a brow gel tell me about why which one in particular you love and why it's a product that is on your list in the dancing days we didn't really have brow gels wasn't around when i was a dancer we use vaseline sometimes for like a glossy finish or to get the brows looking a bit more you know up or sparse and lots of hairspray on toothbrushes Uh, but now we have the magic of brow gel, whether it's a clear or a tint. I just think brow gels can do so much. I'm a massive brow fan. And same thing with someone goes, I've got five minutes in the morning. I'm like, okay, skip the foundation. Use concealer where you need to. Mascara on, maybe a bronzer on the lid, bronzer on the cheek and a brow gel and you'll be fine. Brow gel just really, brows have become obviously thicker, a bit more fuller, a bit more shapely than say in the 90s, but people just sometimes have amazing brows, but they're not styled in that amazing way. So if you put brow gel in, they stay in place all day. The benefit one that I use, the 24 hour brow set, it's the best because it's clear, but it actually sets the brows in place. They do not come off whether you in the wind or you've rubbed your eyes and for me on set um, doing fashion shoots the model's getting changed all the time and it's so annoying when that brow's gone or it's gone down or it's flicked up so yeah brow gel for me is one of those things that I just think every makeup needs a brow gel you always need it whether you're wearing makeup or not even when you no makeup on a holiday put your brow brow gel on and brush your brows upwards you always look lifted when you look back over your incredible career so far is there a particular moment I suppose we kind of describe it as the pinch me moment or a moment where you kind of felt like I'm I'm making it, I feel successful. The L'Oreal journey for me was very, it's it's still a very important thing and very close to me. Not only did I make amazing friendships that I'm still friends with today, there's an old L'Oreal crew and we have dinner all the time. And that journey for me was really important because like I said, I always thought dancing was going to be my thing. And maybe to gain extra cash, being a you know one of those dancers that's struggling to get the auditions, I would just work in cosmetics on the side to get extra money. But I enjoyed it. But it's always going to be a side job. And then to be flown to Paris, representing Australia for Longcom and representing your country in front of all these thirty-two other national makeup artists from other countries. And then coming back to your country and sharing what I've just learned and touring around Australia, Asia, New Zealand, and then to become a training manager and then an event manager where I'm doing spreadsheets and looking after massive budget. I'm like, I just a little boy from Perth that came from the floor. I didn't go to university. I graduated year 12 just, was never academic, never did anything like that was, you know, grew me for these roles. But 
it's all about those, those experiences. And I think L'Oreal saw that. Yes, I didn't have anything on paper to say I could do those jobs, but they knew I'd been in the industry so long and knew everyone, had great relationships and just knew what I was talking about in terms of beauty. So th- th- that was pretty big for me, realizing, wow, I've got this amazing job and I didn't even <laughs> go to school for it. Whereas all my friends are like, uni, uni, uni. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, so that, that was a big thing. I think when you get your first celebrity as well, whether they're just someone locally or someone internationally, doesn't matter, but someone who's a bit more high profile you do feel good it's like wow i've been chosen to that person's makeup it's a it's stressful at the time and that's kind of a big moment and there's something that i'm working on behind the scenes that i can't talk about but that if that happens that'd be probably my most biggest achievement i would say yeah we've got meetings at the moment about it who knows if it will come off i'm fingers crossed if it does it won't be till probably mid next year but yeah it's really exciting and if that comes off that's probably my my biggest achievement who has been someone who you feel has really shaped who you are as a person there's been a lot actually one of my old managers and she was my boss actually at l'oreal she was immaculate so she looked immaculate driven workhorse lived and breathed l'oreal she literally was amazing some say she was too much but i mean she was so successful and still is she kind of just always pulled me in as this little perth boy that had this big opportunity in sydney but i still was treating it almost like i wasn't deserving of it and maybe i was i was acting apparently i was acting younger than what i actually was mature wise and dressing a bit younger than what i should be and she put me in she goes michael you need to always dress for the job you want not for the job you have. I was just wearing like a collared shirt and pants, but mine were almost like jeans rather than pants. And I was much more casual because I was like, I'm a makeup artist. I'm cool. I'm trendy. Like I can do this. And she just always said things to me. Not only that, but that was one comment, but just all these little probes that she gave me led me to realize I need to be taken seriously. And at work functions, I was always the one in the splits and I was doing dancing and everyone thought I was hilarious and thought I was so much fun. But as she said, that's great, Michael. Don't lose your personality. We love your personality. But you still have to have that maturity amongst the workplace. So people can take you seriously so you grow in your career. And L'Oreal, it doesn't matter. You're the best makeup artist. That, that, that's only one role. I want you to grow also in the corporate ladder at L'Oreal. And that's why I got these roles like training manager and event manager because I started wearing... I actually did start wearing ties to work. And then there's two other women who work in the industry that I work with now who are very strong-minded, both own their own businesses, both very successful. And you know what I like about them? They say it exactly how it is. There's no fluff. And yes, some of them are in PR and that type of industry where it's all, hi, doll. You know? No, they just say it how it is. Give me the exact truth. And I really respect people that can do that. And I think that's, like you said, it's a really important distinction because particularly in fashion and beauty, there is this kind of sense of you act like your friends before you even know someone. Yes. There is a very much an act that's put on. And I guess my personal life, my social life um, really reflects that in a way. Like I know a lot of people, not only because of work, just in social groups, but I actually only hang out with a very small group of people. We're, we're the same group that go to dinners on the weekend, going out. Yes, obviously some come and go every now and again. There's other people, but yeah. And I know Jacinta's the same and she's always said to me, when you find those people that you honestly 100% trust and they also bring you up and they're also striving for goals and you're striving for goals next to them, they could be completely different, but you 
all in that same mindset, it really is a beautiful friendship group to be a part of because everyone's rooting for each other and fighting for each other and giving everyone confidence. And I've learned that over the years because back in the day, I was a yes man. I'll come to that dinner. I don't even want to go to that dinner, but I went. I wasn't interested in going to that shopping event, but I went because my friend said it was cool. Now I've kind of realized, maybe it's an old, like an age thing, hang out with people that really bring you up, that support you 100%. And my friend network has kind of shortened or lessened in a way, but I'm the happiest I've ever been in that kind of group of friends. Yeah. We've spoken about your passions for dance and for beauty. I wonder what, outside of what you do for work, what are the things that excite you or inspire you? Travel is one, definitely. I mean, I've been very lucky with my job that I've actually experienced so many different countries. Pretty much at L'Oreal, I was traveling to nearly everywhere you can think of in Asia um, and, and obviously Paris and then London. There were work trips and that was a I was 25, my first parachute for work. And just going to other cultures and seeing how they, you know, do beauty or what or what products they like. It's sometimes totally different to the Australian market. And obviously being in Asia now with Mark Jagger's beauty, I look after Southeast Asia. And even them, it's a total different climate. So your creams are different, your foundations are different, and you talk differently to them about skin. They hate bronzing, for example. We love bronzing. So I think travel for me is really big in my influence in beauty, inspiration for beauty. But I think originally, originally, my inspiration for beauty was 90s supermodels. I've always been into the glam, always been into that. Let's make someone look glam. We've reached the final product on your list. The eighth product is Gradual Tan, which again kind of taps into the the personal use, the confidence boost, the all-round fix. Tell me which one you use and why you love it so much. Well, I used to be the ambassador for Saint-Tropez Tan. I was the ambassador for four years. So I was a skin finishing expert was my title, which I loved. And I was going to London Fashion Week every year, doing Australian Fashion Week and really learning about tan. I guess being a ballroom dancer growing up, tan kind of scarred me because we, you know, didn't have the best tans maybe in the 80s and my mum didn't have a clue. So I was pretty orange as a child. (laughs) And so I was never really a massive tan guy as an adult because I was like, oh, God, it just scares me. Yeah, it brings those memories. And I obviously use it every now and again when I was doing like a Mardi Gras show or something or going to a summer holiday and I felt really white. I might put a little bit on, but I was still not really a tan user. And then being with Sandra Pay Tan, they introduced me to gradual tan, which I'd heard of like the Dove ones and everything, but never used them. And I just, I just love it because it's like moisturizer that has a tint in it. You don't even feel like you're wearing anything. It hasn't got that tan kind of smell that you normally have with a fake tan and you can just put it on once for a bit of a glow twice for a more and you can use it every day and get like a full tan if your tan's fading from a summer holiday you can you put that on to boost it up and I think for a guy guys are always asking me okay what's some products that we don't want to have like a full bathroom of beauty but just a couple of things to spruce us up it's the right hair product for me the right shaving products so they don't get ingrown hairs, a little bit of a moisturiser. Some guys hate it, but it's something really lightweight so they don't feel they're wearing it. Now some of my mates even wearing concealer because they can realise dark circles can go and you can look fresh for that presentation at work or that meeting that you have. And gradual tan. So many of my male mates are using it because they can see that it doesn't look like you've got a tan on. It's just literally that gradual tint, uh, sorry, hint of colour. 
So I think it's it's good for guys and girls, obviously. But for guys, like, don't be afraid. Just use something. Guys should guys should be feeling confident and, and you know good about themselves as well. And it's so easy to put on. And yeah, I love it. Now you've talked us through the eight products that have a special memory or meaning for you. And now is... If you thought picking them was hard, this is what some people say is the hardest question, which is if you could take just one of the ones that we've talked about onto Beauty Island with you, it doesn't have to be practical, which is the one that you would pick to take with? Is this a deserted island or? <laughs> it is, it, yes, it is just, I'm like, just you. If there's, if there's people on there, well, then I'll take my concealer so <laughs> then I look really fresh. But if there's no one there, I don't really care. It's just you and the wildlife of the island. Oh, dear. Knowing me, though, I'd probably still take my concealer because it's just my literally routine. And I haven't really ever thought about it until literally on the couch before when I was like, I think it's a confidence thing. I think I've always just used it since I was 20. Um, it. I just know that I look so much fresher and brighter and better when I use concealer. So I'd probably use that. Michael, thank you so much for sharing all your memories and expertise with us today. Thank it's you been for so lovely. Me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beauty Island. You can find all the details of where to find and follow Michael, as well as all the products he's spoken about in today's episode in the show notes. And keep an eye out later this week for a little bonus episode where we take a peek into his makeup kit. If you fancy chatting more beauty, you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast or my personal beauty account at Brittany Beauty BTS or send me an email, beautyislandpodcast at gmail.com. I also have a beauty newsletter called It's a Beauty, where you'll get reviews, recommendations and tips and tricks of my beauty column delivered straight to your inbox. Thank you and until next time, bye bye.